Welcome to the Thundercast, your martial athletics podcast produced by the fans, for the fans, with your hosts, Russ Livingood and KD Hudnall. We're bringing you the thundering word on the thundering herd each and every week. So keep it right here. The Thundercast is on the loose. Thanks for downloading another episode of the Thundercast. Find us on Twitter at Thundercast underscore pod. And please uh, like, rate, and review the show on your favorite podcasting outlet. And please also share the links as we are getting so close to Herd Athletics returning in full swing with the football season opener just this coming weekend. We're going to be bringing you all the greatest news and info, insights, and analysis surrounding Herd Athletics. And now is no time. There is no time like now to share the links with your friends. Uh, This is a little bit of a format change for us this week. You're going to get two episodes of the Thundercast. This week, we will have our season predictions for football. We'll give you the five things and go around the herd. And then in a couple of days, you're going to get a standalone week one preview episode for the matchup between uh, the herd and the Norfolk State Spartans coming up later this weekend. And then moving forward, your week two previews and so forth will also encompass around the herd and the five things. But before we get into this big action-packed, jam-packed, action-packed, information-packed episode, let's get a quick word from our sponsors at 304carrec.com. If you've been hurt in a wreck, visit 304carwreck.com on the web or on Facebook. Matt and Jason are experienced injury lawyers in Huntington who have helped many people just like you with claims throughout West Virginia, Ohio, and Kentucky. Car wrecks, truck wrecks, and injury claims aren't just something they do, it's what they do. Find them at 304carwreck.com. Russ, let's kind of get this last preseason episode rolling. Give me five things every Herd fan needs to know this week. All right. Uh, As usual, these are always brought to us by our friends at IgniteLink, the Tri-State's premier IT management team. Now, KD, we've had a couple of different weeks where we've kind of eased off of that five things and made it six things, seven things, or whatever. I had some things that didn't make the – the final roster, but I'd like to go over them in kind of a little honorable mention. They didn't make the things, but they're still a thing. <laughs> they're still things. <laughs> I've got some things here, but let's call them uh, the the first four people off the bench, maybe. Uh, honorable mention, let's talk about uh, briefly. Uh, Dan D'Antoni is getting the Socasti High uh, basketball court named after him. That's a pretty cool honor. I mean, let's let's talk about the herd moving into the Sun Belt and already getting basketball courts named after him down there in <laughs> Coastal Carolina territory. I mean, <laughs> the herd's coming in like gangbusters in the Sun Belt. That's all I know. But no, that's he, pretty cool for for Coach Dan. That's pretty cool. He, he was there. I think this is all by memory. Twenty nine years. Uh, I was thinking legend. it was somewhere around thirty years too. Yeah. Uh, so legendary uh, down in that area. Area and uh, great uh, accomplishment there. Uh, Thumbs up from us. Yeah, probably a very, very low likelihood that any Coastal Carolina alums will get any basketball courts named after him in Huntington. Just say. Probably not. Uh, We had a couple of different uh, events for fans to go to. The first was in Charleston on Thursday night, paint the capital city green, and it was at the Bill No Flight School there at Jaeger. Oh, yeah, I saw some pictures. I forgot that they were doing that up at the flight school this year. That's a pretty cool change of venue for a – 
a uh, nice summer uh, event. I bet that was pretty cool, man. A, a nice uh, change of pace and seeing some new things. Cool. I saw some, as a matter of fact, I did see some players that looked like they were in cockpits of the planes and stuff like yeah. that. So pretty cool, man. I bet that was pretty neat. That would have been something that uh, would have been fun to go to. And I have no knowledge of this, but I can't help but wonder if it was also a bit of a uh, budget saver, having it at one of our own facilities kind of deal instead of, you know, somewhere else that maybe you had to rent out like Embassy Suites or a conference center, something like that. Yeah, probably so. You get to showcase a a what will be a very premier program for the yep. university. And if you get to save a buck or two along the way, cool. I mean, yeah. Definitely getting to show people uh, around if you didn't get to go to the open houses. That was a great event to showcase that off, like you said. Yeah. Uh, Friday night was here in Huntington, the herd rally, which I was there for a little bit of uh, before I had to wrangle three kids to go back home. Uh, <laughs> but uh, it, the the thunder showed up right after the thunder and lightning kind of moved out of the area. So it was kind of iffy if it was going to be able to go on, but good weather a uh, lot a lot of people attended good good little deal yeah i see some again i saw some pictures on social media about uh around the event and it looked there like there was a pretty good turnout uh, mm -hmm. i i think there is it, it is not uh hyperbole to say that there is excitement and uh everybody's ready particularly for football season i mean yeah you, you know as much as we you know, are rooting for um, the soccer team and the volleyball team and all that stuff. Like it feels like the official kickoff to Marshall athletics is that home opener. Right. And um, it, it, even if you're, you know, you got fans going and people are excited and all that stuff, but that kind of lights the fuse for a mm -hmm. lot of people. I would say the majority of the fan base gets the fuse lit at the home opener. So you right. can tell that they are ready to, uh, to uh, flip the bix and, and get that fuse lit. Another couple of quick hitters. Jenny T. Lee was appointed to the Marshall University Board of Governors. She was um, affiliated in several different stops uh, with uh, President Smith before, has some ties to Silicon Valley. So it'd be nice to get someone else in that has some experience in that fold and maybe help move us again onward and upper, upward in this new digital age. Yeah, it, it these moves just seem to to reinforce the fact that we're trying to run a little bit of a different operation now and some of the decisions that we're going to make moving forward um you know are are more forward thinking instead of what we've said many times like well we do it this way because that's the way we've always done it you know that's mm -hmm. not really the way it's going to go anymore in Huntington at least at least uh you, you would like to think during the Brad Smith era mm -hmm. so uh I like these moves. I mean, some people might not, it might ruffle some people's feathers. It might, it might make people, some people uneasy, but I'm kind of all for fresh eyes and fresh ideas and anything that can set us apart and make us more attractive to new potential students and, um, you know, like, uh, partners, like business partners to provide opportunities for our students. I like that kind of stuff. So, you know, there's, I don't have any, I don't have any reason to, be reserved. I'm excited about where this may go in the next couple of years. Yeah, same here. Uh, lastly, for our honorable mention, we've got Caleb Bowen promoted to head coach of cross country. He was here as an assistant for seven years, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah, it was either seven or eight years, uh, but that was pretty cool, man. Was, I yeah. read the I read the herd zone release yesterday, and 
that story was pretty cool. Came ran here and and you know went and worked on staff for eight years and then gets to take over that at the helm. I mean, what a cool he called it his dream job. So he did. I mean, that's cool. Your own people are getting uh, you know, rising the ranks like organically. You know, you didn't work here, go somewhere else, and now you're come back as head coach. You like you straight up through the ranks. And I kind of dig that, man. I kind of yeah. really dig that. That's good for him. Congratulations, Coach Bowen. Head Coach Bowen. Dang, I did that twice. <laughs> I tweeted it, and now I got to say it. <laughs> All right, so that was quite a bit of info, but that still does not include our five things, which I'll start with right now. Number one, probably the biggest news of the week by far, Rasheen Ali not going to be on the roster or team available for game one, and we don't know how long. Well, let me make a quick circle of that because that terminology will scare some people. He's still on the roster, still yeah. on the team. He is not going anywhere. He is just unavailable to play. And there are there are several, you know, theories out there. And, yeah. of course, when you hear nothing, fans start to panic and the message boards and social media start to ignite with what they think is going on. And most often it's a doomsday scenario. So, yeah. um, look, the best thing we can do, you know, I'm, I'm in a um, – group chat i guess with some other sunbelt teams and folks like and uh, you know they were asking and you know i said that we choose to um just acknowledge that there was something that was going on we're not going to pry for information because it's just not cool mm -hmm. and uh we're going to send the rasheen and the ali family love and support and give them their space because that's yeah. the right thing to do so what fans need to know, as bad as I want to know what's going on too, as bad as I want to know how quickly will he be able to return to the field, they don't owe me a damn thing. Right? That's right. They don't owe me a damn yep. thing. Yep. So give the people their space. Let them get through what they need to get through. Let's get Rasheen back healthy in a good headspace, physically, mentally, emotionally, spiritually, whatever it is, so that we know without a shadow of a doubt when he laces them up and straps up that helmet the first time and comes through the tunnel, you're going to get a hundred percent of the best of Rashin Ali, uh, because that's what we all want. We we want we want him to thrive on and off the field. And in order to thrive off the field, if you truly want that for our for our athletes, you have to give them their space when they need it. And he yeah. needs it, and I'm going to give it to him. And uh, you corrected me, of course, when I used the wrong word roster, but I meant depth chart on game one. Yeah, uh, that he's not going to be available. Uh, 100% still on the team, of course, like you mentioned. Uh, this has brought up a couple of things that, again, we're not delving into the why, but it has been announced, so now it's the result that comes from this. And you have to expect that that immediately means more playing time starting role for Kalon LeBorn uh, right off the bat. I'm glad that we have that. We had been talking ad nauseum each week about having two backs that were prolific and how that would look well now with one of them out for a little while we've got one at least that can step in and it's less of a question mark even though it is still a question mark LeBorn has not played in a game since 2019 but everything we have seen from him he is electrifying and next level talent 
And on top of that, you know, if you follow him on social media, if you see some of the posts on Instagram, he is ready to roll, man. Yeah. He is it's like he it's like he is begging to get that first hit of the season so that yeah. you can just lock in and it's like game time, you know. Mm -hmm. um, but along with that, yeah, Kalen LeBorn is obviously probably most likely going to be your RB1 until the return of Rasheen Ali. But that gives Payne an opportunity to get in there and make some waves and put some stuff on film and, uh, you know, put a bruising on some linebackers and defensive linemen. I mean, this could – not that this is an ideal scenario. Anytime yeah. you lose a 1,400-yard rusher that led the country in touchdowns last year, it's a big blow, right? It's mm -hmm. a big blow. Luckily, you've got Norfolk State that you're leading off with, which we'll talk about in a preview in a couple of days. But everything that I've looked at so far, losing – Rashin Ali should not ultimately factor in that game. Let's put it that. Let's just be, you know, let's call it is what it is. And then you got Notre Dame. Um, again, you know, having Rashin Ali on the field is probably going to make a difference in that game, but you're really hoping to be competitive and get out of that game healthy, right? You do, If you shock the world, you shock the world, but ultimately you've got bigger fish to fry. You lose to Notre Dame or you win to Notre Dame doesn't matter in the Sunbelt standings. You've got a bigger fish to fry there. So being able to get LeBorn in there and play, Payne in there and play, this could be a pretty good scenario. Even, you know, it's it's a best case, worst case scenario. You know, you lose you, Ali, but you got a good duo still. We've also talked about some promising incoming freshmen. That's and, right. And, you know, with the rules of red shirts, they can play up to four games. So not knowing exactly how long he's out, maybe they get some early playing time. And then when they are not needed as much and would be losing those carries back to your preseason All-America candidate, <laughs> yeah, you know, let them go ahead and get their redshirt season in. But they might be able to come in for a game, two games, three games, whatever it might be. Well, you you can use these guys now if you choose to, to uh, try to mitigate any potential injury. Right. So mm -hmm. you're like, well, we don't have to overload LeBorn. We mm -hmm. don't have to overload Payne. We, we, we got two, three guys that we picked up in this class that could probably contribute against Norfolk State for sure. Yeah. And if they, even if they account for two or three carries each against Notre Dame, that's, that's, you know, nine, 10 carries that is a hit somebody else has taken and not LeBorn or not Payne or whoever you may need. But that just and you know some more questions get brought up versus answers. Ollie's out now. You have a whole myriad of questions, right? Mm -hmm. Who gets to play? Who's sitting? Who's going to see the field a little bit? It's it's actually kind of exciting, you know, because if you can get yourself detached from the loss of Ali and start to look at what good things might happen down the depth chart because of this, you can refocus your energy and think, all right, we know when we get Ali back what we've got there. Now let we got some time to get some guys in here and maybe break out a little earlier. Yeah. And th that can contribute later in the season if someone does get dinged up. They're yeah. already in game action. They already know that they can contribute. And and coaches know that they can count on them to hold the ball or get the hard yard in crunch time. And let's talk about some news that came out. And this was probably helped out quite a bit by this unfortunate situation with Ali being out. Is there's transfer transfer portal talk that makes it sound like we are the leader or at least made a significant push as uh, anyone else that was still kind of in the mix for a certain guy that you have the info on from Penn State. Yeah, he entered the portal. Um, it's either Kaza or Saza Holmes, a former four-star back, <clears throat> I think, in the 2019 class. 
we got tagged in the article. I didn't go find it. It found us. Right. And I went and read it and you know, there were a handful of schools that were out there. Um, it's still in contact. And, and the article said that Marshall had made the biggest quote push this week for his services. And this was of course the same week that Ali is announced to be out. So we'll see where that goes with that. Maybe something happens this week. Maybe it doesn't, maybe it's just, you know, smoke and mirrors who knows. Uh, but if you can land another, you know, former four-star back that, that was good enough to be productive. He had yards, he had carries at Penn state. He was productive there then, you know, that helps lighten the load, but we'll see. We'll see how it goes. It's interesting nonetheless. Here we are five, six days away from week one and mm, got portal news still. Did did you happen to catch or did you just state, and I missed it, how many years he has left to play? No, um, I didn't say that. I think he was in the 2019 class, and if I'm not mistaken, he's a red shirt. Maybe it's either a red shirt freshman or a red shirt sophomore because everybody got the COVID year back. So yeah. Um, I would like to think at least two, maybe yeah. three. So you could say it's a multi-year guy. You can put it that way and say it's a multi-year guy. So here's the situation. No matter what, this is LeBourne's last year yeah. here. All right. So let's say no matter what the scenario, uh, Ali comes back this year. Ali does not come back this year with whatever's going on. He has three years. This is his third year. He is draft eligible, and by all accounts, he's going to get drafted and go somewhere. So I don't know if he comes back next year. I, I hope he does, but I'm just saying a transfer a couple of weeks ago, you would think, why would they go there? Because they would immediately be third on the depth chart, mm -hmm. you know, if, at best case scenario, maybe fourth. You never know. But now it looks like they possibly would be able to come in and play significant time right away and possibly be the feature back next year. So it would be enticing for someone in the right scenario. If Ali does come back, you're at least number two in a very good thing like LeBorn is. So yeah. no matter which way, I think it would be um, attractive for a, a very good back to come into this program. I would think so as well. You know, there's a lot of factors that are going to go into whether or not Rashin Ali would ultimately – declare for the draft i mean if you if you miss the lion's share of the season or even if you come back quickly here and get dinged up again there's going to be a lot of questions that are going to be asked about durability and stuff like that and you don't want that floating around so mm -hmm. you would like to think unless you come out and have another you know all conference potential all-american type season uh you would have to lean towards coming back uh, that's just me it, it would be hard to pass up you know, I mean, NFL money is life changing money, right? You know, if you if you're drafted high enough, it is. It, it, but uh, you don't want any questions floating around there if you're going to make that leap early. So uh, it's so far in the future. We don't want to speculate on any of that. But you know, the news of the day is yeah, it's a, it's it's a decent move for you know Holmes to consider coming to Mar to Marshall, even if you get you know several games at the front end of the season, you know. Um, at least you don't come here and have to sit. So it's just interesting. We'll see how it goes. We'll see if something makes waves this week and uh, we find another back on the roster before week one. That would be pretty wild. Yeah. Let's move on from that. I think we've hit it from all angles that we can. Number two, we got a lot of talk on social media about this and I cannot wait to <laughs> try to set some records straight for some people, but yeah. 
As you saw with my uh, tweet of some photos, we do have the much-discussed by us tarps on the upper end zone seats. It had been speculated for a long time on would they, wouldn't they. It was a timing issue, but now we know for a fact they're up. There will be no seating there, so let's talk about it. And, of course, the knee-jerk reaction to most fans out of context when you see tarps over seats is Marshall struggling with ticket sales. Oh, they they can't fill the stadium. Blah blah blah. It's all negative, right? And yeah. we know different. We know that this is a precursor to a larger end zone renovation plan. Yeah. So I don't know how many times and how many ways differently that we can say that before someone understands. This was a strategic move to not have to relocate potentially several thousand fans next year during season ticket renewals. Right? You just yeah. do it now before they get renewed. So, We've talked about this on the show. Your cousin uh, yep. was one one of the few that had renewed their seats up there before they were able to decide, yes, they are coming down. We are building this. And at that point, they said, look, we need to go ahead and stop it right now. And that's when they grayed out the availability. You yep. could not get them. They made sure that everyone knew this. We've talked about it. Our, our diehard listeners know all this. But again... You brought it up to to me personally. I did not put up that, hey, this is part of the plan. So people that had not listened to everything we discussed or fans from other teams or, or things like that, immediately, exactly what you said, they jumped to the conclusion of struggling with ticket sales. Mm -hmm. Go in to herdzone.com, click tickets, and go into the map for the Joan. Click on a section and you'll see what's available. There's not much. Uh, you know, I did not go section by section and look at them, but availability is considered low in each section. It's color-coded. You can click on them and highlight the different seats. For instance, the two lower end zone sections to the right of the scoreboard and the very next section over, there were a total of 42 seats on Thursday or Friday that were available at that point. And that's not talking anybody walking up and getting tickets the day of the game. That's three full sections, only 42 seats available. That's what we have been talking about is moving these people back over. We have had the same number of fans roughly attending every year, but when the seats went into the upper end zone, the people on the sidelines just kind of rolled around into there and it thinned out the crowd on TV for noise level, we are excited, you and I, and a lot of people we've talked about, to get back to that 1999 and fewer uh, years when we had a more intimate setting with the fans right there making a lot of noise directly across from each other, perfect for the we are on one side, Marshall on the other. Everything about this move is great because it also signals, hey, if we could have gotten these removed before the the season started, we would have done it because we are building exactly what we've been talking about, a beer garden slash party deck. There's going to be suites. Uh, we're going to have a much better stadium when this is all done. Yeah, I think I used the the proper term without throwing too much shade on that project. You know, it was a requirement. We had to have the bleachers. We had to have them. It was They just had to be done. 
And I used the term watered down and it did. It watered down the stadium atmosphere. Yeah. So for those younger fans that have never experienced the Joan without those bleachers, after you get over the initial shock of it being different, you're going to find out that it's awesomer. You know, it's, it's louder. You're going to get, you think you've heard we are Marshall before you're going to find that it is much more awesome when you get a distinct, we are now and a Marshall now, as opposed to it kind of being this conglomerate cheer with an end zone there. Those end zone seats being gone are going to make the stadium atmosphere so much better. You'll find out. And once you get over the initial shock of the bleachers being gone, people not being there, you'll find that the new, the new old school vibe is better. KD, I've got a hat here and it's not my speculation <laughs> hat, but I'm going to put on my dictionary hat and I'm going to look up awesomer and uh, I'm, I'm not seeing it here. I don't, what? Yeah, you, li- you live, you are from <laughs> Mingo County, West Virginia. And even that, they that know, word. even they know not to say awesomer. Let me ask you a question. Is, <laughs> what is the past tense of squeeze? <laughs> Squoze. Absolutely it is. And that ain't in the dictionary either. <laughs> no, I, I had to get you on that one. But, uh, and by the way, folks, anyone that's listening, that is the only mistake we will ever make on this show. Of, of First of all, that... that's not a mistake. <laughs> Second of all, whatever. <laughs> No, you hit it right on the the head, man. Everything about this move is great. It's taken us back to the the heyday of the stadium. And we did not add those seats because for anyone that did not see it on social media, for all the times that I had to explain it, or you missed it when we were talking about this on an early episode, here is the reason. The NCAA had a minimum seating capacity requirement to get into certain conferences or even be at Division One, and not just us, several different stadiums decided to do something. I said that they put in temporary seating, and someone said, well, it's been 22 years. That kind of proves the point. They did put it in with the idea that it would be temporary. They put it in quickly. The quickest way they could do that was to make it aluminum. They put in aluminum bleachers. They wanted to have a more permanent seating to match the rest of the stadium to be concrete and everything. This is what we're actually going in to do now is going to, we're not going to have aluminum skybox suites. We're not going to have an aluminum party deck. They are going to actually do what they could have done back then had they had more time. But their hand was forced because of a now archaic rule that it had to be a certain minimum on the seating capacity. Shortly after we built those temporary aluminum bleachers, that rule was done away with, and it did not just affect us. It was several other teams that had done the same thing. We did not have the demand of we are selling out our 30,000-seat stadium week after week, and now we need more bleachers. We did that for soccer this year uh, or last year because we won the national championship. We didn't have enough seats, so they brought in. That's not what happened here. It was because of an NCAA mandated rule. We did it. Then it went away and we didn't have the people filling those seats anyway. All it did again was spread people out from where they were already sitting and created a big lap or lapse in, in seating. Yeah. We're going to have a much better uh, stadium vibe. I think, you know, with, with, with all the things that are going on a return to some of these uh, programs that we've aligned ourselves with that care about the sport 
fans that will travel a little bit better, hopefully, than most of our Conference USA counterparts. Um, we're going to revisit some of these classic rivalries that a lot of fans, even older than than us, really can get behind. And it it you need a more pronounced home field advantage, right? Yeah. You need that. And we used to have that, man. We it was it, loud man. when it needed to be loud. And when it was third and one and the herd needed to get that yard, the stadium was quiet so that mm -hmm. our guys could communicate. That's how you create a home field advantage. You're quiet when your guys have the ball and you're loud as hell when the other team has the ball. So I, I'm excited. I'm really excited to to get back to that. It, it'll be cool to, to kind of have time roll backwards about 25 years again. That'll be pretty cool. Yeah. All right. I think we've touched all that as well. <laughs> yeah, we, yeah, we've beaten that one to hell again for the sixth week. <laughs> but if anyone still wants to get beat down with some facts, please tweet at me and tell me that we sold out for, you know, 80 every, years game. In, every yeah. game 80 years in a row or something when it could not be further from the truth. Anyway, number three, uh, more in football. The Ohio game that was scheduled to be here as a home game in 2025 has now officially been replaced. We're going on the road to Middle Tennessee State, and then the very next year in 2026, they will have the return game here. Yeah, I mean, I'm not excited about Middle Tennessee State at all, so... I'm not excited either. Hopefully there was something that, you know, we'll be able to get that game back. I would much rather play Ohio than play Middle Tennessee State. I mean, I would much rather play almost any conference usa team out of the old east division that we were in than middle tennessee state they just never moved the needle for me but whatever game's a game all right so now i don't have that dictionary hat anymore i'm gonna get that old speculation hat and put it on right here let's talk about why this probably happened we had seven home games for that uh season already mm -hmm. You know, we recently talked about 2023. There were originally seven home games there, and then we ended up losing one of those and had to replace and blah, blah, blah. We had seven home games there, and it gave us a little bit of flexibility. We had a scheduling issue with 2026 where we needed a home game. To be able to get a home game there, we had to get a road game for that return home game. I think they did a little bit of trade because – Ohio needed to get out of the 2025 had they needed to get out of that we either could have said no you can't get out of that or it's going to cost more money or whatever but it gave us a little bit of flexibility when they wanted to get out that we already had had seven home games we were able to use a road game in order to get that sixth home game that we definitely needed in 2026 because read any article look on any social media it is extremely hard for G5 teams to get P5 teams and even other G5 teams to come here now. It's it's just hard to try to find scheduling with the conference realignments that are going on, with the super conferences that are being formed and moving away. If you have a little bit of flexibility and you have to knock down to only doing your regular six home games so you can fill out your schedule, and not, again, not do an FCS opponent. Two or yeah, two. Right. I think that you have to go with it. And that's one of those things. You know, I saw some people complaining, and rightfully so, because I would much rather play Ohio than Middle Tennessee State. Mm -hmm. I would much rather have a home game than travel to Middle Tennessee State. However, if it meant that we get to keep some G5 teams for better 
records uh, and strength of schedule than yeah. to say, okay, let's bring in Central Connecticut State back yet again yeah. in 2026. I'm fine with the move. Yeah. I mean, I get it. I'm just saying it's 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 a bummer. A lot of the scheduling news is, that's coming out lately, it feels like that the herd is on the short end of the stick. And I understand that there are you know, mitigating factors that are playing into this heavily. It's not like they're choosing to lose the game at Navy. It's not like they're choosing or losing to have Navy come here. It's not like they're mm -hmm. losing to or choosing to have Ohio bounce out and pick up Middle Tennessee State. But you're right. I, I think, unfortunately, we're going to have to get okay with some of the teams that we may begin seeing on schedules that are making the move. Teams like Jacksonville State, yep. you know, coming up to Conference USA. I mean – it doesn't do anything for me, but I mean, technically there'll be an FBS team and, you know, in the conference USA. So they, they may find themselves on a future herd schedule at some point. And you're just kind of like, well, that's what we can get, but that's a good problem, right? We used to have that problem when nobody wanted to come to Jones C. Edwards stadium and play a game because yeah. you didn't just roll in here and win, you know, and now that's what we're hoping to see again. So you got to have one or the other. You're either going to have hopefully a, kick-ass home winning record or you're going to have teams that don't care to come there to play you because they feel like they can just roll into your house and win mm -hmm. uh, personally i'd rather have the home win streak i'd rather have the intimidating you know uh rowdy ruckus atmosphere that is jonesy edwards stadium when the herd's riding high that's what i want i agree with that too and i think that if we come out and get back to that winning mentality, that winning record, people are not going to care as much about, oh, we have to have this team on the schedule or, oh, we've got these tarps up. Those things come about when you're in a losing situation or not at the level that you want to be. Yeah, Winning winning solves most of those everything. problems. Yeah. Does everything. So I'm, I'm really, and we'll, we'll be obviously getting into it later this, uh, uh, episode about you know our expectations for yeah. the year yeah. but i i think that that we're heading in the right direction and that's a little precursor yeah. all right there has been a rebranding the marshall maniacs are no more they are now the stampede that is still for those of you that don't know at home the under the big green umbrella that's it for the undergraduates the current students that's their organization yeah i'm glad they kind of absorbed that the big green because it, yeah. it hopefully the idea behind it is, Hey, if we can get these folks to be aligned with the big green as undergrads, then they will move right into the next phase and be big green donors upon graduation or upon leaving Marshall, Agreed. whatever the case may be. So I like this. The second thing I would like to say is if whoever is listening, please put the president of the stampede in touch with the Thundercast because we want to get you on the show and we want to talk about what you guys are trying to do for the students. We want to get that name out there. We want to get, uh, you know, we want to get your recruitment numbers pumped up. We want to get the, the stampede to be an actual herd of students. We want them to be a raging loud stampede um, in an official capacity because, Hey, that's, that's part of the goal of this show is to increase big green membership. And if we have to also increase stampede membership to do that, then by God, we want to do it. Help us help you. Help that's us what help we, you. That's what we want to do. We definitely want to see the stampede growing. Hey, I tell you what, they put a good package together for $25. You know, the, a lot of times a shirt alone would run someone 25 bucks, but yeah. they ended up getting a nice little swag package with a, a guest ticket to go along with their student ticket. So uh, 
I, I think it's a good move. I mean, the value alone is over 25 bucks, not to mention you get, don't they get a herd perks card? Too? They get a herd perks card. Jeez. Yeah. Good deal. I yeah. mean, if there's any students that are listening and you're not uh, a member of the Stampede, go get it. Because somebody that you know, a buddy of yours, is going to want to go to a football game this season. And you've got a ticket right there for them just for signing up to be a member of the Stampede. And you'll have probably exclusive, other exclusive benefits, you know, like seating and stuff mm -hmm. like that at games that they kind of save for the official student organization. So do it. Do it. And the heard perks that he mentioned for anyone that is listening to us for the first time does not know what we're talking about there are local businesses in the tri-state area that really bring value to either your stampede membership or your big green membership by giving you discounts just for being a member those are available on herd zone we tweet them out every now and then as well but I'll give you an example just because when you're downtown around Ninth street for the herd rally your kids are going to want to take you or have you take them to Austin's. I had to do that last night and <laughs> I went right through and forgot to tell them that I was a big green <laughs> member. And I'm sitting here thinking about the money that I could have saved. So you get your $25 back and then some at some restaurants and local businesses that you're already frequenting, you'll get your 60 bucks back. And then some, if you're a big green member, just, do it just yep. get get it done get it done go to herd zone click the big green tab and and you can you're in one extra click away from seeing all those herd perks you it's worth the money yeah all right that was uh it for the fourth thing let's get into our fifth thing this every week is called five things every herd fan needs to know and every herd fan definitely needs to know that this saturday is going to be the debut of thundercast live we talked about it a little bit ago, a uh, week and a half, two weeks ago, about all that Thundercast Live is going to entail. But KD, hit them up with some stuff. Thundercast Live is going to be so cool, man. We're going to be broadcasting live from the tailgate spot over at the stadium or around the stadium. Uh, a little bit different for week one since we've got a big, big tailgate going on with another organization and an event. Uh, but this whole thing is powered by our buddies at Ignite Link. Um, I'm not going to get into the specifics because I think it's so awesome that I just want to keep everything under our hat. I want people to be like, damn, I can't believe you guys are putting together a production like this. And But yes, it's all thanks to Ignite Link. I mean, we're just the guys behind the mics talking about the herd. But uh, we're going to do a, a several a several different segments. We'll have a multi-cam feed. And anytime we're not on air like Russ and I talking into a mic, you're going to have a live feed from the second camera to the tailgate. So you'll be able to see what's going on. You'll be able to see a little bit of the party and all that kind of stuff going on. So if you can't make it to Huntington, if you are stuck wherever you are in the world and wish you could get to Huntington, you just couldn't make it there, you're going to be able to log on to our YouTube channel and get a little bit of the live feed of a tailgate. We're going to try to bring some of game day's atmosphere right into your living room. And... Uh, we'll be talking about the herd. We're going to give you some uh, keys to victory for the game. We're going to talk to uh, some guests, potentially, whoever might be hanging around. Um, I'm not going to give anything away, but I know we have at least one, maybe two or three lined up for Saturday. And uh, I don't know. I'm just really looking forward to it. We're going to talk about the, the all the food we've got going on. Um, it's going to be a fun time. It's going to be a really, really fun time. And by God, the, the Herd fans just deserve this. They deserve a show, like I said weeks ago, 
Your only real alternative is to either watch College Game Day on ESPN or the Fox pregame shows. And do you really care to hear about the same storylines from the same six schools going around the country? I do not. not. No, No. you do not. You want to know what's going on with the herd, and it doesn't matter who they're playing that week. You want to know what the herd has to do to get a freaking win. You want to know who's in, who's out for the herd, who's riding high, who needs to get some things right, and all that good stuff. And that's exactly what we're going to do for you. And you mentioned two cameras, but you're you're down in Tampa, and I've got a little bit here. I'll throw this inside scoop hat on. We're going to have three-plus cameras. Oh, that has changed slightly, um, but we are definitely going to be talking about tailgating. Each week, we're going to have different tailgating going on. This first week, let me go ahead and tell you, there's going to be one, possibly, and probably two smokers. We're going to have whole chickens. We're going to have brisket. We're going to have burn ins, and we're going to have some pork butt, and we are going to be doing it upright. Smoked mac and cheese, um, baked beans plenty to drink. If you're around, please come to Huntington Physical Therapy. Now, we will not have parking available for you at our specific place that we have contracted with Huntington Physical Therapy as our footprint. Everywhere else in Huntington Physical Therapy's lot, you can park. You just have to pay them. We will be over there before they allow people in for that parking. So please find a place to park and walk over to us. And this is only this first week. You can move your car over there later if you want to when they're there to accept money. But while we're there, we're going to be starting at 10.30 a.m. with this. We'll have the tailgate will actually be going on before that. But the Thundercast Live should start at 10.30 and it will run up to about 2 p.m. or so. And then that'll give time for us to break everything down and still get over to the game and not miss a second of the action. We want everyone that is in the area to at least come by, say hi to us. If you can't, you're out of state, you're out of town, you're working, whatever, this will be streamed live to YouTube. You need to get on our YouTube channel. You'll find us, search the Thundercast, and you'll see our logo, the green, Kelly Green circular logo with the Buffalo Head silhouette. We also... I'm Go sorry, I'll say I will leave a link to the YouTube channel in the episode's description this week, so it will be really easy to find. If it's not a live link, you can at least copy and paste it into your browser, and there you go. And I also put uh, that up on our Twitter. Yep. I put that that up for you to go there right now and subscribe before this Saturday, so it will pop up for you anyway. Yeah, in the uh, in the Thundercast Twitter profile... I removed the Spotify link and I put in the YouTube link. So if you just go to our profile page, it'll be right there for you as well. Uh, the one thing, the other, the other thing I want to say about this is, please tell me, I haven't heard nothing on this front, and, and you know it's been a couple of weeks now, and we were hoping to hear about this, the country heard logger, and I haven't heard an announcement. I haven't seen anything yet. I'm really hoping we're going to be able to wash down some of this awesome food with some country herd lager. So if you see anything, let me know because I haven't seen it yet. And I think it's herd country lager. I think I, okay. I, I think I said that backwards one day by accident uh, when I was talking about it here. But uh, if I'm not mistaken, it's herd country lager. And uh, I will be scouring the tri-state area for uh, a couple of cases of that. And it, if it's around, it will definitely find its way over to the tailgate. Nice. 
Um, but let's talk just a little bit more about this tailgate before we wrap up this very long segment about all this news that we've had. Huge, huge news. But when you are over there for this Huntington Physical Therapy is the location only for game one. The away games, we will still be having these and they will be KD and I, possibly other people, but we will be either at, like he said, at a watch party somewhere or, you know, our own houses uh, out somewhere on campus doing something before each and every game. Every other home game will be at spot 34 in the East lot. Come over and see us there anytime. And even game one, right before kickoff, we're going to be back over there in spot 34. We just have this other event with a massive, massive tailgate in Huntington Physical Therapy's lot early. Yep. Don't forget, we'll have uh, all the stickers you might want and uh, a very, very, well, I was going to say very, very limited quantity of koozies. So that'll be first come, first serve. They're pretty sweet. Like I said, when we got them made, I don't, I, have, I don't even have any, right? I'm trying to sneak out of there with one or two in my pocket, but hey, we got to please the people first. So And we have promised uh, you that each of these weeks, you know, there will be a, some kind of a sponsor for it. The food will be sponsored this week. You will have us shouting their name out on social media all week long uh, with links to what they are doing. But Mountain State Farms right out of Strange Creek, West Virginia, will be providing all of the meat that I just talked to you about earlier. They're bringing the brisket. They're bringing the whole chickens raised right on their farm organically. Uh, the pork shoulder for the uh, pulled pork and the burn ends. So they're going to be providing all that. Again, it's Mountain State Farms. Find them on Instagram, find them on Twitter, find them on Facebook, give them a like. They do everything right there with your eggs and your meats and your buffalo even. All that stuff they have available. You can get it local here at the Wild Ramp. I don't know how I feel about eating buffalo. That seems not cool, but you know, well, I, know I know it's tasty, but I'm not trying to eat the herd, man. It's very tasty, <laughs> and um, I will just say that they look a lot different than Marco and that makes it palatable, you know, <laughs> uh, they're, they're more of a blue and gold Buffalo. So it's kind yeah, of, okay. yeah. yeah. <laughs> All right. Like let's, let's move out of the five things. That was a massively long five things, but Hey, we got a big week upon us and we had to hit home about Thundercast live. Cause it's going to be such a great time, but look, let's talk about our featured story this week, our featured segment this week. Let's just cover some 2022 football season expectations. Ours personally, what we think some things, things may be with some like a floor and a ceiling maybe and then we'll we'll touch on a few records and just how we might uh get to those records this won't be a super deep dive segment but just something that you guys can hold our feet to the fire over to see how right or how wrong we actually are so russ uh we've talked at at length about what the roster looks like this year and yeah we've had some bumps in the road over the last week but uh, also, we haven't even named. We haven't even talked about the fact that Henry Columbia was in fact named quarterback one. So we know that we can put a period at the end of that sentence. But also, you know, now we have the question mark at the end of the Rashin Ali uh, sentence. But based on what we've learned over the last week and what we've talked about over the last several weeks and months with position group breakdowns and spring ball breakdowns and all that kind of stuff, what do you think the floor and ceiling? is going to look like for this herd from an overall record standpoint? I've got eight and four now after the uh, Rasheen Ali news uh, as the floor. I'm still 
I'm still very, very much bullish on a, a winning record and a, a a no-brainer winning record. I've got us at eight and four at the worst case scenario. Now I can't be pinned down to exactly what four games those would be, of course, but I've got eight and four. I do see the potential uh with Ali out and a fresh offensive line, new quarterback, all that that we could struggle offensively in a couple of games and put us at an eight and four record. I mean, that that's fair. I, I see the floor for this team actually being at seven and five because just historically we've seen Marshall lose games that they have no freaking business losing just because something – and Middle Tennessee comes to mind last year. Yeah. You know, seven turnovers, who sees that coming? Or six turnovers, who, who sees that happening? Down there, the, down there in Middle Tennessee State again uh, a few years back when uh, the kicker got the yips and we missed all those field goals. It, yeah. it just seems like something happens. You're right. There is always a game throughout the season that Marshall has no business losing that they somehow manage to do so. And it, it it's hard to palate. You know, it's hard to hard to swallow that sometimes. It leaves a rough taste in your palate when you see those games because we can be playing wonderful ball leading into that game and then nothing goes right. And you're like, what the hell happened? So I'm with history on my side for that, I tend to look at the worst, worst case scenario to me. And it, barring the entire team just going down with the flu for a month and a half, seven and five to me is the floor. The ceiling for me is uh did you give your ceiling yet? I didn't. I thought maybe okay, you yeah. wanted to give. Go ahead. So, so my ceiling, as much as I would love to say twelve and zero, uh, is eleven and one. And I think that uh, going undefeated, no matter what level of competition that you're playing, is extremely tough every year. Uh, it's just you're going to get outmatched. You're going to have turnovers like you had mentioned that are going to pop up. You're going to have something. There's going to be an injury. Someone's going to play out of their mind against you. Things are going to happen. So my ceiling is 11-1 and one for this squad. And a lot of things would have to, with Ali being out for an undisclosed amount of time, a lot of things will have to go correct for us to get to that 11-1 and one mark. I agree. Uh, I I don't have the herd quite at high at eleven and one. I have them at ten and two. So call me a little bit more cautious on the season than you are. Um, I think Notre Dame is just a in almost an insurmountable mountain to climb, considering that your roster's best player is now on the shelf for that game. You would like to think, um, if it wasn't, you would you would also like to think that they would have just phrased things like Ali will be out for the opener, you know. So indefinitely or whatever the term is that they use leads me to think that he will not be back for Notre Dame. And that was going to be a tough enough game as it is. So, um, and, and like I said before, I alluded to Marshall always seeming to lose a game. They have no business losing. So in that best case scenario with history still on my side with that and Notre Dame, I, I think the herds a 10 win ball club in the regular season. It still could be enough to get them to the Sunbelt championship game and obviously a bowl game. So really when it's all said and done, you could be looking at a 12 and two team, but just for regular season purposes, I think the ceiling for the herd right now is, is 10 and two uh, based on what we know right now uh, with your floor and your ceiling being discussed, where do you think the herd will actually fall? With when the season's over, or when not the, when the season's over, when the regular season's over. And again, this has changed a lot because of Ali. 
but uh, I feel like nine and three. Nine and three is exactly what I have, even with the news of Rashin Ali being out. Um, because he, I'm thinking, okay, uh, if it's it's not an out for season scenario because we didn't hear Rashin's out for the year. We didn't hear that. So even if it's, you know, for five, six games, let's say it's half the season. Well, two of those are going to be Gardner-Webb and <laughs> Norfolk State, okay? And then you, we already talked about the struggle with Notre Dame potentially on the horizon. So really you're talking about three games that you have to get wins if it's half the season. You have to get three games without Rasheen Ali in the in the lineup. So nine and three for me is is where I see the herd finishing. Um, I'm going to go a little bit deeper out of conference. I see us coming out three and one, of course, lone loss, probably most likely being Notre Dame. Um, I don't know much about Bowling Green. I mean that very well. We, in the Mac era days, Bowling Green always seemed to be that one team that Marshall struggled with for no good reason, you know, like Uh, up there, especially yes, up there, especially. Um, now, Sun Belt Conference record, I can see us anywhere falling. This is a floor ceiling type thing for me. Anywhere between four and four and seven and one, right? Based on whatever. That that's a pretty big gap. I get it, but again, this is a new year, new league, and as much as we're playing a lot of teams for the first time, those same teams are playing us for the first time, and a lot of those teams are coming to Huntington for the first time. So I like our advantage in a lot of those first time matchups. So here's how I see us getting to nine and three. I think we lose one of the games uh, between App State, Coastal, and Georgia State. I know those are all home games, but those are three tough teams, and a lot of publications are picking all three of those teams to finish above Marshall in the Sun Belt East. I think we drop one of them. I can't tell you which one, but probably one. I think we lose one on the road. Like I said, that we have no business losing. Probably someone like, James Madison or, or or Old Dominion. Old Dominion kind of had us on the ropes last year, and we were able to pull that one out kind of late. Um, Troy is one you really need to be cautiously optimistic about. Troy has one of the best defensive lines in the in the conference, and they just picked up transfer quarterback from Western Kentucky slash West Virginia, Jared Doji. We'll see how he fits into the mix there down in Troy, but that's kind of the wild card game for me. And that's how I see us getting to nine and three. I like us holding serve against Louisiana in the midweek. I like us beating Gardner Webb and Norfolk state and Bowling Green and most of the remainder of the home slate. That's a fair breakdown. One that I probably don't want to admit is probably closer to accurate than I have. (laughs) Um, I am still very optimistic, and I also feel like that we will rally around Ali being out and that we will use that as some motivation. And it does not hurt, again, just the way the schedule fell, that we have Gardner-Webb and Norfolk State at home. I also see some payback with Louisiana coming here and us just losing against them in the bowl game. And after we, the momentum turned, no matter what their fans want to say, after that ridiculously late hit, uh, flagrant, flagrant violation of the rules. Yeah. Um, I see us getting them back if they, especially if they come in here with a winning record still intact for the longest in the nation. Wednesday night game, I see us just 
smoking them. Um, I I really really want to see us run the table. And do I think it can happen in the Sun Belt? Yes. Is it likely? Probably not. So I'd say that you're probably a little more accurate than where I want to be. But I I'm still holding out that hope that eleven and one, and I would even love to see us upset uh Notre Dame especially coming off of their Ohio State game the week before yeah I mean that's the prime spot like if you're gonna get them they're not paying any attention to Marshall I mean come on they're playing for college football playoffs every single week right Marshall's probably gonna have to go undefeated for two or three straight years just to start getting in the conversation because we're a G5 school as fair as you think that is or not it is what it is and we all know that's what it is so we saw we know that perfection is fleeting and it's incredibly difficult and our best team in a decade a decade the 2014 team still missed out on perfection by one point in a double overtime loss so it's just that fleeting so the idea of undefeated teams while some teams are experiencing them more often than others it's just incredibly hard. And now this yeah. league across the board for some of those fan bases that are just like continuing to puff their chests out like this is the same old same. It's not, you know, no. it's not. Recruiting in the Sunbelt is going to get tougher because now you're bringing in teams that are just as competitive as you are that are recruiting probably a lot of the same geographic areas. And there's going to be choices to make. And now all of a sudden, you know, Appalachian State might not be the easiest choice anymore, or maybe Coastal Carolina is not as sexy as it was two years ago. You know, yeah. so it's it's there's a whole lot moving on, and and it's 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 it just does not behoove folks just to continually be cocky. I get it; you're a champ until you're not a champ, right? Mm-hmm. I get, that's fine, and that's fair. You can be that. I'm just saying, I think the road to the championship just got a little tougher. It did. And we're talking about the Sunbelt East. And, you know, this is hearkening back a little bit on those social media posts about the tarps and some discussion of a couple of people argued that we went to a subpar conference and that we could hilarious man. (laughs) uh, This is the toughest. Let me say it again. The toughest G5 division is the Sunbelt East. And I, Every prognosticator you talk to that is a national talking head is probably going to agree with you. There are some people out West that say that it is tougher there in the Mount West. It's, I don't think so. You know, um, you, I just don't see a tougher top to bottom than what you have here in the Sunbelt East. And it goes with everything that you're talking here about how hard it would be to run that table and especially playing your uh, cross division, you're playing Troy and uh, Louisiana. Yeah, it's it's a tough, tough schedule. And I don't think that we got that tough of a draw because of our home slate this year. It was pretty favorable. And that's why it gives me a little bit of hope that we could do that. But it, it would be, if we were able to do that, we're talking about a very good Marshall football team. Yeah. I mean, this would be one that you would have to immediately latch on and go, whoa, okay. Yeah. This is this is the best one we've seen since 2014. This is yeah. the most complete team that we've seen since 2014. And that's asking a lot. There it were is. a lot of stud players on that team, all-timers that were on that team. And it, that is still the measuring stick for recent teams for me 
for a lot of players and positions, right? That that they were just so, so good. Now, defensively, I feel like this team is set up to be one of our best defenses since 99. And will it happen? Who knows? You know, you've got to see how it actually plays out. But but with returning players as well as the transfer portal, bringing in the size in the areas that we needed, we are set up to have a very good defense this year. And that is also why I'm bullish on our record uh, for the ceiling, especially. Yeah, I'm with you. I mean, I feel good about calling a 10-win team. I just can't quite say everyone but Notre Dame or everyone but that one slip up. I, I just yeah. can't do that. So, look, let me, let's me let close out this segment, and I'm going to give you uh, four stats, and you can give me a plus or, or you can give me an over or under, and if okay. you choose to expound a little bit, you can. All right? First, okay. uh, first one, 2021, total points, 33 in 2021, total points per game, over or under for 2022? Over. I think they uh, will be helped out with two FCS games, especially if we do not let our foot off the gas. But if you're getting 45 to 50-some points against those two, that will help bring that average up. I also think that uh, no matter what, we are not going to see any kind of like 10 to 7 game in South Bend. So I think if uh, they start running away with it, we're going to be putting up points in an effort to try to keep pace. And I see the Sun Belt East, no matter what our defense looks like and some defenses that are stout elsewhere, I see them also being a fun, high-scoring league. So I am over on 33. All right. Uh, total offensive yards per game last year in 2021, 457 total yards of offense average per game, over and under, over or under in 2022. Over, but not by much. And that may sound like a misnomer, but you can score points without putting up yards and you can put up a lot of yards without scoring points. I see us capitalizing and getting some quick strikes, maybe some shorter field distances because of the stout defense that I talked about, maybe some scores on special teams and defense. So I see it being very close to that 457 mark, but again, over. All right. Now listen to this. Total Touchdowns, just like you just said, offense, defense, special teams. Total touchdowns for 2021, 58. Over or under? Over, over. No need to expound on that one, I guess. Well, right. if let's let's do some math. You know, if we're talking about 33 points a game and I'm taking the over, we're gonna have to score more touchdowns than 58. So <laughs> wait a minute, wait a minute. Well, brand setting field goal records all year long. This this year is how we're going to get to our point totals. All right, here's the kicker. I found this one um, buried in some stats, and I had to jot it down because this is the one that I know you like, and it's been talked uh, alludes to something we've been talking about in the past. Average home attendance for 2021: 21,743 over or under. Over, and I think that it will be because of the record. Because I'm bullish and having a better record, especially a home record, I feel like uh, we will be around the 23 mark. Uh, so I'm taking the over on that as well. I would love to see it a little bit higher, but you know as well as I do, in November, there's a lot of people that have more pressing things, be it vacation, be it uh, hunting season, be it sports with their kids but it falls off nearly every year unless you have an undefeated team on the docket. That's true. Uh, I'm going to press you just a little bit farther on that one because you yeah. said around 23. 
over 23 or under 23? 23, 114. Okay. I just wanted to, you could have said 23,001 because I could I, have. I think but it, I wanna, looks, <laughs> it looks I'll, better to say 22, 8 versus 23, 1. I like 23, 1. So I, I just want to be as accurate as I can for when we revisit this number. <laughs> at the end of the year and everyone gets to hate tweet me and tell me how wrong I was about everything. 23,114 fans. Okay. Yeah. I mean, what the heck? That's another 1500, right? I'll take it. I'll take it. I think, I think that's fair, you know, and for, you know, all we've said for years, Marshall has a super solid, solid, concrete, solid fan base of 20,000 people. Mm-hmm. Hell, like rain, shine, hell, or high water, twenty thousand people are going to show up on average to a game. Yeah. So if we can get that, you know, to uptick ten percent and make that a concrete twenty-two k, I feel good about that. You know, I I have to add in something here right now that I've said for decades, but now that I have kind of a voice that people listen to occasionally on our show or on social media. I'd like to educate some people that might not know or think about this. Look at our capacity. And we talked about when it went from 30,000 to 38, uh, 38,019, when we added the 8,019 uh, end zone, upper, upper end zone bleachers. Before the 2013 season or at the end of the 2013 season, I can't remember which it was, we added the new suites that bookend the top mm-hmm. and it added 208 to our capacity those are 208 fans that you do not see during the game because they're in there and that means the rest of those that are in the suites you do not see them those that are in the big green room from your chair back seats that can go up to those they might be in there if it's raining or it's cold or something like that so a lot of people will say hey it did not look like we had 20,000 people there you may have 4,000 that you cannot see that are in the various levels of the press box up there in sky suites or the big green and all that. So, yeah, I know that people say we have been counting season tickets and actual tickets sold and not butts in seats. And that's probably still true, but there are a lot of people that you might not see that are still attending these games. Mm-hmm. So just keep that in mind when you see these, uh, attendance numbers so last thing i want to say about that number before we transition and take it around the herd i found a i found a really cool video on youtube just a couple days ago and it was all it was was a tour like an aerial view and several different you know slideshow type thing pictures of all the stadiums of the sunbelt yes i saw that and it talked about when they were built the name of the Mm -hmm. stadium and their capacity and Mm -hmm. marshall's average attendance is larger than the capacity of some of these Sunbelt Conference stadiums, period, yep. and would be near capacity for probably two-thirds to three-fourths of them. Yes. Okay, so we have to know who we are, and that's yeah. who we are. You, We are not Ohio State. We're never right. going to put 100,000 people in a game. Yeah. Right? But our 22,000, our 21, 22, 23,000, and on occasion, 28, 29, 30, and even 40,000 in rarefied air – is among the tops in that conference. It just is. So, you know, while that number in the grand scheme of college football, the Michigan's, Penn State's, Ohio State's, and these big, huge schools, it's it's a sexy number, and they pack it out, yeah. 
but we are a very passionate fan base that turns out to support our team when we are talking in terms of peer schools. Peer yeah. schools. We do a fantabulous job. Bring your dictionary hat out for that. Fantabulous. <laughs> it's in there. It's near the back. Um, <laughs> but anyway, for whatever reason, my dictionary does not go in alphabetical order. But <laughs> probably because I'm from Mingo County. But, um, the Now I'm going to get hate tweets from Mingo County. Um, so one last thing, a final thought about what you just said there about our capacities and stuff. And I know that I was recently as early as this morning talking to uh, some folks from Old Dominion and they were talking about how they have a capacity of 23,000. And here we're talking about getting 23, hopefully on average this year to, to get with your point. But we talked about regional passionate fan bases here. That is going to help our home attendance because I feel like App State's going to bring a lot of people for our home game. I feel like Old Dominion, no, we're playing Old Dominion at ODU this mm -hmm. year. All right, but anyway, some of these teams are going to be bringing more fans than when we ha hosted Rice, who couldn't get 7,000 at their own stadium, much less bring 150 to ours. Yeah. We're, we're talking about not having teams having to come from UTEP or UTSA, or any of those other teams that don't have traveling fan bases for whatever reason, much less the thousands of miles that they had to travel. So I think that it was we're going to see an uptick, and we have already seen that uh, with preseason sold ticket numbers. You know, uh, there's been article after article that different Sunbelt teams have sold the most that they ever have. You know, and not not all of them is because of App State hosting UNC in game one. Obviously, we know that that's a big driver, but Old Dominion was talking that they had sold the most that they ever have, and I think it was 13,000, which compared to their capacity is very good. Mm -hmm. So I feel like this move in the Sun Belt, especially the regional part of the Sun Belt East, that we are going to have more traveling fans that it's going to help with that attendance number as well. Yeah, I, I agree. It's just a great move all the way around, and we talk about it so much this year, but I can't wait to revisit some of these things we're talking about in two, three, four years and then go, you know what? We nailed the hell out of that. We were right. And yeah. a lot of these folks that are on the fence are like, man, they were right. This this yeah. was such a good move, and I'm glad they took the bleachers out. And it feels really good to be back in an energized Jonesy Edwards Stadium again. And it sounds so much better. It feels like what I remember and what I sensationalized from my, you know, um, undergraduate years or my younger years. I mean, I think we're moving in that trajectory in the Sun Belt. It, just all that it has embraced versus what Marshall is bracing on a microcosmic level. It just seems like we're going home again and it feels so good. It does. So with that, can we please take it around the herd? We can. Let's start with women's soccer. And women's soccer on Thursday shut out Moorhead State two to nothing. And Tell me a little bit about that, and then I'll tell you what they have the rest of the week on the docket. Well, I don't know. Uh, I have to bring something up. Usually, I have those stats ready to roll, and I was. That's looking, why I threw it to you. I'm sorry. I, was, I thought I thought I was, you had them. No, I was looking at something else earlier, and I just forgot to bring the uh, bring the page up. But you while know. while you're doing that, let me tell you about the rest of the week. That brings them uh, their current record. They're still undefeated. 
one, zero, and two. They have those two ties that they started or draws that they started the season with. Uh, this Sunday, tomorrow, as we're recording on Saturday night, they will be hosting Ohio. We will have two tickets, as always, to give away for that game. Uh, this is a very fun team to watch, so we hope that you'll be packing it out like they have the first few games there. Thursday on September the 1st, they're going to be playing away at Liberty at 6 p.m. And Sunday, 9-4, they're going to be playing at Radford at 7 p.m. Well, Katie, could, do you I have our... some, I got some goals here. But, okay, uh... that's that's all I'm looking for. <laughs> Who scored those goals? Uh, Courtney Corcoran got the first goal at the 13, well, roughly the 14-minute mark, and then just shy of the 50-minute mark. Uh, I should have listened to the ear thing. I'm sorry. I should have learned how to pronounce some of these names. Uh, oh, gosh. Makai Laguines. I'll, I'll get it right next time, I swear. Um, That's the only mistake. God, I'm sure there'll be more. These (laughs) names and me just, I can't do, I I just, I make a fool of myself every time, but. Listen, every, every week on around the herd, let me, let me just say every week on around the herd, (laughs) I have something. And then KD has stats on stats on stats. And that's the only reason we don't discuss this beforehand. Who's going to do what it's all very natural and just because of that, I threw it to him, and that's my fault. I, I should have asked you if you had those before throwing. <laughs> I did not, but that's okay. Let me go ahead and get the men's stats up while we're talking about it. Well, I can actually tell you about a couple of those because I've watched that. But uh, men's soccer on Thursday, they crushed, in soccer terms, uh, VCU, Virginia Commonwealth. They uh, beat them 5 to nothing. Yosef, Milo Yosef, uh, with the hat trick. And some of these goals, man, were just they were they were great. Just seeing, you know, catching a kick out of the air and and knocking it into the goal. Uh who else scored the other two? Do you have those up? Uh looks like Souza got one and Matthew Bell got one. Yeah, I think Bell got it maybe on a place kick. But um anyway, or a penalty kick. I um they will be playing on Monday. Uh, when this episode will be dropping. So they will be playing at Butler at 7 p.m. And you can watch that on ESPN+. And then Thursday, coming back here, they are facing off with currently ranked number seven Pitt at 7.15 p.m. Friday night. Um, yeah, Friday night, not Thursday, 9-2. Now, Pitt will be playing an equally highly ranked WVU before that game playing against us. We will also be playing another game. So our records may change a little bit and fluctuate. We could be seeing a matchup between two top 10 teams right here in Huntington next Friday, September the 2nd. Oh boy. Get ready, man. It's it's get, we're getting into the thick of it already. Already. We're getting into these uh, highly contested ranked matchups. And if you're not here for it, then, I don't know what to tell you. And I talked to someone very recently, and you know them as well, KD. I won't drop their name, but they went uh, for the first time to watch a soccer match there on uh, uh, Thursday, and they said it was just a blast from start to finish. Uh, again, we're talking about some people have become soccer fans because of Marshall's level of play, you know, cheering on your alma mater so you try to learn and you might not know as much about the sport. But 
people are going for the first time and just really seeing how fun and what an electric atmosphere it is at our stadium. Um, they, let's see, Pitt, I think, uh, I think this was one of the games they were talking about had sold a lot of tickets early, you know? So again, we have two tickets to give away to every game. So we will be having a drawing for that. It will be a near sellout, I'm guessing, especially if they're both ranked in the top 10 and it's a Friday night game. So if you want to be looking for that on social media, we will definitely, definitely be giving those away. All you have to do is retweet us and that's for every game, men's soccer, women's soccer, football. And we'll get into a little bit more on that later. Yep. Uh, again, they're always free, but if you if you can definitely go to the game, retweet the tweet. If you can't go to the game, then please don't. <laughs> because yeah. we, we ran into that this week. We 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 contacted several people and they're like, Oh, I can't make it to the game. I'm like, Well, daggone it. I mean, we want we don't want our seats to go unutilized. Let's say yeah. it that way. We we bought them so that there would actually be two butts in those two seats. So if you can make it. Try to win the tickets. If you can't, let somebody that can't go try to win the tickets. And it is, uh, you know, admirable. A lot of people and things happen, right? You know, yeah, yeah, uh, yeah, for sure, for sure. Uh, and you know, at the time that you retweet, you have every uh, uh, intentions of being able to go to the game. Sometimes schedules change, things happen. But we've also had people that want to retweet that just to get the word out that yeah. we're doing that, and also to throw throw us a little bit of love and share yeah. what we're doing. But that is the way that we're actually running the contest. So we have ran into having to contact our second or third or this time fourth person that won the drawing. So primarily what I mean by that is when I look at a profile and it says St. Paul, Minnesota, you're not making it to the game. That's yeah. what I'm saying. Like you're yeah. not gonna you're not gonna go. So that, well, they're not list they're not listening to us anyway. <laughs> there are a bunch of people that uh they they search the keyword retweet or win or whatever yeah, no, yeah. and they just retweet that's all their profile is is doing that so we weed those people out anyway you know we're not going to be giving away tickets to someone that has no intentions of going and they're just going to try to scalp them nor will i be giving tickets to an opposing fan yeah we will be giving our tickets to her marshall marshall fans that is right all right uh moving over to volleyball the Marshall Invitational was this weekend. They opened up. Uh, we're recording on Saturday, and we're hoping that we have a little bit of uh, more stats for Saturday. Uh, but they opened up with a very good uh, uh, set on Friday night uh, to get their first win of the season, to go 1-0. They played earlier today, and they played right up until after we started recording. So yeah. we hope to have a little bit of info on that. Yeah, they won three to two against uh, Evans, the University of Evansville, on Friday night. Dropped their first game today, or Saturday, uh, three to one to Wright State, and then they're playing again. The stats aren't currently up on Herd Zone, so they still may be going on, or they just haven't updated Herd Zone yet. But uh, we're going to just say the game is ongoing in that rematch against Evansville. Um. Again, I went to the green and white game scrimmage that they had. It's a very good atmosphere and fun for the whole family. It's free to go. You've yeah. got nothing to do. Go watch the girls play. It's a good time. They will be playing in Miami, Ohio for the Miami Invitational next weekend. 
and they, I think, have three games that weekend as well, the way that they have it set up. Cool. All right, men's golf. I hope that I'm saying this correctly, that the Earl Yestingsmeyer Invitational is in Muncie, Indiana, and that will be on Friday and Saturday, September the 2nd and September the 3rd. Not a whole lot to say about that. I don't think it's going to be on ESPN to watch it. We'll just hopefully have some news that we can bring to you uh, yeah. after it's over. Yeah, like how the final finish for the team, and if, if any uh, individual golfer played exceptionally well, we'll, of course, bring that to you as well. I wish they would have that on ESPN so we could watch a little bit of it. Uh, not everyone, including myself, watches uh, golf on TV a lot, but because they are herd athletes and I would like to at least tune in to see, you know, a little bit about how they're doing and get a little bit of quicker up-to-date info uh, on on how it ends. Men's cross country, we talked earlier about uh, uh, Coach Brown becoming the head or not around Bowen uh, becoming the head uh, coach. They will be in the Mike Bomber Classic in Dayton, Ohio on Friday, September the 2nd. Again, probably not on ESPN Plus, but we will have information for that. And on our next week's show, we will bring you the results of that. That's right. And finally, around the herd, which we will have a show dedicated to this <laughs> a couple of days from now. If you haven't heard. <laughs> yeah. Football, Norfolk State, Saturday, September the 3rd, 3.30 p.m. kickoff. Of course, we will have that preview show up in a few days after this one is uploaded. And then we will also be having Thundercast Live talking about this show or this game right before kick. That's right. I'm not going to dive into football at all because we have a whole episode dedicated to that, like Russ said. So uh, that's your update for Around the Herd this week. Russ, if you got any parting words, let's go ahead and say them and let's get the heck out of here because we got an episode to get ready for in a couple of days. That's right. Huge shout out to 304carwreck.com. Those guys have been great uh, since the start, but they donated to Front Row Tickets Section 102. We were able to give those out earlier today to uh, one of our um, followers on Facebook. And they have these two tickets that we gave out got the most attraction, people wanting to go. It's kind of like we were talking about with football being our main attraction in the official kickoff. It got the most action on those ticket giveaways, Facebook and Twitter. So again, we are going to have those for ourselves. We, we have up to four tickets to give away from the Thundercast and occasionally three or four car wrecks said they were going to continue to have two tickets to give away. So each week we might be giving away up to six tickets. So keep your eyes and ears posted and we hope that you land a couple. I don't think we have talked about that at all, but yes, we did in fact secure some football tickets. I know we talked about we were going to do that, but I don't think we ever talked about the fact that we bought four to four. give away to every home game. So uh, some weeks we may decide to give away a family four pack. Some some weeks we might decide to give away two packs of two tickets. It's just whatever we want to do. But yeah, we secured four tickets to every home game to give away. And if 304 Car Wreck tosses in a couple more, that's up to six tickets we'll be able to give away, and that is freaking awesome. And before I forget, moving forward, 
Uh, they are started taking season ticket deposits for first-time season ticket holders for men's basketball just the other day, and we threw down a deposit on those two. So we'll be having men's basketball tickets to give away once that season rolls around, just putting the bug in the ear. Uh, final words for me are, as always, please um, support our sponsors, 304carwreck.com. Go to their Facebook page to give them a like. And for any and all of your IT solutions, please call IgniteLink. Uh, follow them on Twitter at IgniteLink. And follow them on Facebook as well. I'm sure they've got the solutions that you need to help your business get back on track um, if you're experiencing some difficulties. So thanks to all those guys for helping us do this week in and week out. Um, but Russ, take us out of here. All right. Whether you see us over at the dot, whether you see us at the cam, whether you see us at the Joan, or whether you see us in Huntington Physical Therapy's parking lot starting around 10 a.m. on September the 3rd for Thundercast Live. No matter where you see us, we're going to be saying, go herd. Go herd. It's a Thundercast. We'll see you in a couple of days with a week one preview. Later. <laughs>